You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we're going to be talking with Joe Burrell. Now, Joe is an average Joe of sorts, and uh, like myself and like all of you, and we're going to kind of just BS about hunting gear and equipment today. We're going to talk about our favorite guns, our favorite bows, our favorite broadheads, products that we feel fall under the old reliable category. We're going to talk about some new products, some old products, and, and that just makes a really good BS section. Uh, BS session. Joe also is uh, a manufacturer or a, uh, a creator of sorts of custom bowstrings so he makes his own bowstrings not only for himself but for other people and so he talks uh, to us a little bit about the difference between a factory bowstring and a custom bowstring and what that uh, what the implications have for you and your your bow so it's uh it's a pretty cool episode hopefully you guys enjoy it before we get into today's episode though we just want to do a quick commercial break here for you guys uh, first and foremost, I want to uh, say if you're looking, if, if you're that guy who wants to go and videotape your hunts, uh, maybe get an action cam, uh, and you need to look into the, the new Tacticam 6.0, it's available on their website, uh, it would be a perfect gift for, for somebody, uh, we're coming up here on Black Friday, I don't know if they have any deals right now. But uh, it's a perfect gift for uh, Black Friday, for Christmas, for, um, uh, you know, the shotgun seasons are coming up. We're, we're coming into a late season, and uh, there's still plenty of hunting season left to, to document. So go check out the new, uh, the new 6.0 Tacticam uh, at their, on their website. Uh, last, we got two more here. Tethered, if you're looking for a saddle, again, another gift for a serious hunter. Maybe not for everybody, maybe not for your grandpa or for your, you know, your aging dad or your fat friend. <laughs> I, I, I say that jokingly, right? But if you're looking to get mobile and take your hunting uh, strategy to the next level, definitely go check out Tethered. Um, I'm going to do a podcast here in the next, oh, uh, 
month or so where I pretty much just recap all of my like my impressions on saddle hunting the uh, my first season ever doing it. Now, it wasn't a lot because I tagged out early in Iowa for the most part in only like six total sits, but I was able to... I was able to get in it, mess around with it, and I'm going to do a huge recap on that. With that said, enjoyed the hell out of it, right? Uh, saddles, saddle accessories, climbing sticks, platforms, Tethered has it all. And so definitely go check out the uh, the Tethered system. And plus, they have a ton of information on their website about how to proper, properly use it. Uh, and then last but not least, we're talking about HuntStand. HuntStand is one of those apps that... I don't know what I would do without it, right? You, here's two two things if, if you took away from me um, that I feel make me a better hunter. One is trail cameras because I know that the deer that are walking around in my uh, uh, on the farm, which allows me to pass certain deer and go after specific deer. The other one are hunting apps like HuntStand. And so just the ability to quote unquote, be on your farm while you're not on your farm or be uh, out in the landscape on public land while you can't be there. The ability to e-scout, the ability to document and journal all of your findings on one location and being able to quickly reference that, man, it's almost like your brain is in the game the whole time and that really is very important. So definitely go check out HuntStand.com. Uh, and read up on all the functionality of their uh, uh, of their product there. So tethered hunt stand and attack the cam. Please go out and support the brands that support this podcast. And uh, let's get into today's episode with Joe Beerl, and uh, we're going to BS about hunting gear. Three, two, one. All right, on the phone with me today, Mister Joe Beerl. Joe, how we doing, man? Doing pretty well. How about yourself, Dan? Doing all right. Doing good. Doing good. You know, I've had a somewhat. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say somewhat of a successful season. I shot a really good buck. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to take the meat off of him uh, between coyotes and uh, just the amount of time between when I shot him and when I found him. Unfortunately, um, but I, I I still call that a win, right? And so, how have yeah. how have yours? How has your season been so far this year? Oh, it's been a little bit of a uh, turmoil, ups and downs. Yeah. Um, my brother-in-law got married right in the middle of uh, the pre-rut Stupid. where the bucks really start moving. Yeah. And uh, that night I got the biggest buck I've ever gotten on a cell trail camera. Um, it just, it's one of those things that just chaps your ass. <laughs> yeah. Um, same thing with my brother. My brother was married on November 7th, right? Yep. And I went this was before cell cameras, but I went to go or before I had a cell cam. And so I went to go check the camera. Uh, I don't know th- that weekend and <laughs> straight up giant daylight right in front of my, one of my stands. And I still kind of hold that against him. Mo- mostly I hold it <laughs> against his, his wife and not necessarily him. Yep. So I understand that tough shit though. Right. No one wants to hear us bitch about that. <laughs> Hey, he'll grow till next year unless I uh, I do catch up with him this year. Gotcha, gotcha. Where, uh, what state are you from? Where Where do you live? I live in Central Indiana, but I hunt Northwestern Indiana, just south of South Bend. Okay. Now, you got you are right along the 
the big lake, Lake Michigan there. Does Lake Michigan impact the weather uh, where you hunt? It definitely does. Uh, when we get lake effect snow, it could be zero inches or two feet. Um, yeah. And as you know, the deer usually don't move right after, right during that snowstorm uh, a whole lot. I mean, they do move, but they, they stay still until that snow stops falling and then they start moving looking for food. So um, as soon as that snow stops falling, it's anyone's game on yeah. which deer you're going to see. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's cool. Um, and so how much time you got left? I mean, as far as, you know, time to get, a, get out of the house, uh, are you married with kids? I'm married. I don't have any kids. Okay. Um, I got until January 1st to try to connect with them. Uh, I'm going to get out every chance I can get, uh, this weekend I'm going to Georgia to pick up some furniture from, uh, some in-laws, but after that, it's my game. Yeah. Um, Thanksgiving is always a good time for the bucks to be just moving around. Looking. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, good luck the rest of the season, man. Hope, hopefully you connect, but today we're going to be talking about hunting gear and equipment. And so, uh, we had a very a short conversation before we started recording. And I think what I want to do is I want to ask you a question, the question that, uh, that we kind of agreed on. And that is old reliable, right? Do you have a, a old reliable product or products that you use every single year and that you just are very confident in? I wouldn't say I use it every single year, uh, but this is a Mossberg 695 slug gun. Okay. That gun, uh, my dad purchased it new. They're about 250 bucks, brand new. Yeah. Uh, they're still worth about 250 bucks, but that deer has, that gun's killed more deer than, uh, I can't even count. It's yeah. got probably close to a hundred deer on it. Yeah. Um, that's amazing just, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. My dad, he hunted for food when we were growing up and he hunted state park hunts, which you get two or three deer, his regular license. Um, we regularly processed, uh, 10 to 15 deer a year Yeah, in our house. Um, and that gun's just it's always been reliable. Um, just Monday, I was on a state park hunt, and I was getting ready to leave for the hunt. I was looking for my Indiana Hoosier Special, a three fifty eight Hoosier, which kind of falls within uh, their public land rifle guidelines. Mm-hmm. So it's three hundred eight ballistics uh, shoved into a two forty three Winchester Super Short Mag cartridge. So it's a thirty five caliber bullet, um, but. My dad has that. He's uh, working up a load because it's all custom loads, and I forgot about it. Um, so I'm like, oh, man, what am I going to use on this public land, this state park deer reduction hunt? I grabbed that Mossberg 695. I haven't shot it in three years. I haven't had a chance to shoot it because it was the night before the hunt. Um, and I just grabbed it out of the, the gun case, and I I knew it was spot on. I uh, took two does with it. And it's just, it's such a reliable gun. I, I knew I could trust it. Yeah. I have a, a turkey gun like that. And it, it is a Mossberg 20 gauge uh, pump. And yeah. to, to like back in the day when I hunted a lot of turkeys, dude, I, that, and no, no choke on it. No, nothing. Just a straight <laughs> 20 gauge pump and getting, get them close enough in and just 
watch their heads fold back. You know what I mean? And, and so yeah. that, I don't think we, we killed a hundred turkeys with it, but we're definitely in the 50 turkey range. And it's one of those things where, and I hate to say this as a sportsman, but you put it in the, you put it in the case, you shoot a couple turkeys with it, and then you put it back in the case. And that's where it sits all yep. year. And then you get it out. And, uh, you know, I, I take it back. I, I shot some pheasants with it, shot some rabbits with it, think some, you know, back in the day when I had more time and some squirrels. But, uh, but it's a turkey slaying machine. And uh, I bet you, <laughs> shit, I don't even know when it was manufactured. I'd have to, I'd have to go look, but I'm guessing it's a 25-year-old gun. Yeah. So yeah, is that a 500? Dude, you're talking to a guy who doesn't know shit about uh, <laughs> guns. I know it's a 20 gauge, and I put 20 gauge round, uh, rounds in it. So that's all I know. So uh, does it rattle a lot? The the pump on it? Yes. Yep, it's a 500. Okay. That's what they're known for. Um, I I've had a Mossberg 500, and they're so reliable. They just people don't like them because they rattle just move a little slower that's all i say yeah yeah and i guess how i would to keep the rattling down i just grab the hold the gun by the pump over where the i guess the the where you load the gun in yep. or no not where you load it where you where they i don't i don't even know i think it's where you load them on the bottom part of it and um yep. if i hold it there and i hold it on the pump then it doesn't make any noise when i move around so uh, how I solve that problem. Yeah. Yeah. Simple tricks, but yeah. some people don't want to use those. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. I tell you what, I got a, I got an old reliable uh, product that I, I want to talk about. And I hate to like lead with this, but it's because I have, uh, it's a partnership with, you know, with, uh, on the nine finger Chronicles partner uh, podcast, I have a partnership yep. with wasp broadheads. And so over the years, I've just killed a lot of deer with the wasp uh, three blade jackhammer. And so I just keep going back to it and back to it and back to it every single year. And it, it has definitely done me well. Um, and I'm very confident in that product. And I, and I honestly believe that that head is the reason why I like located my deer, you know, that with patience, but uh, a wound channel the size of a, a silver dollar basically going through uh, an animal. And uh, it was, you know, because everybody always talks about, I'd love to hear your opinion on this, but everybody talks about the, you know, these big blood trails. Okay, you put a fixed blade through both lungs. You put a mechanical through both lungs. They're going to die, right? Yep. It's the marginal shots, in my opinion, where the broadhead really stands out. And so I've had my fair share of marginal hits throughout, throughout the years. And definitely this year was one of them. And, uh, but I, but my broadhead performed spectacular into to the point where it caused a shit ton of destruction going in and out of the animal to where I was able to, to recover it. And I don't know if that necessarily would have happened with a fixed blade. So, um, I don't know. I just, I, I feel really confident about that head. I'd agree. Um, you know, the broadhead can make a big difference on recovering a marginal shot deer. Last year, you and I talked about a uh, a buck that I shot, and I shot it full frontal. Yep. Um, I knew where I was placing it, 
but it, I was shooting a mechanical at that time. And I knew I could take that shot because the mechanical creates a good wound channel. Um, and I recovered that buck. It had a great blood trail. Uh, it went less than 40 yards and it was stiff an hour later when I got down to check it. Yeah. Um, I didn't go look for it right away cause I didn't see it go down. Yeah. It went in the thicket. Um, but they definitely make a difference. And this spring, um, I hunted a black bear. And when I was going on that black bear hunt, um, black bear is a slightly different animal than whitetail. And I wanted a, a broadhead that cut on contact. So I, I decided to go with the fixed blade. Um, and I was looking at this company and I went with a, it's a six bladed fixed blade. It was a little harder to tune in my bow. A six bladed fixed blade. Yep. What was the brand name? Arach- or, uh, yeah, it's Black Widow Innovations Arachnid. Okay. Uh, made in Canada. Okay. Um, it is, it just, it did the job so well. I mean, I took a perfect shot on that bear, presented a perfect opportunity where it put both paws up up on the, uh, the barrel and uh, spread out so it could push the barrel. And I took the shot right at that second and it, double lung the bear and the bear didn't go 20 yards. Yeah. I mean, it just, it crashed right away, but I wanted six blades because, um, more cutting surface yeah. and then a fixed blade because they can have a tough hide on them. Yep. And I'm looking at that. I'm looking at this head right now online on that black widow. That has, that head looks dangerous <laughs> like oh, yeah. i don't know like it looks nasty dude well and it's got a cutting surface on the leading edge and the trailing edge so if it pulls out of the animal it'll do damage as well okay versus some of them don't have a cutting edge on that back side it'll still do damage but it's not not actively cutting when it pulls out right i got um, you so yeah that's a it is a gnarly head and it just does damage yeah. and the outfitter when he looked at the bear, he goes, I've never seen one with a bow go down this quick. Yeah. Um, they're usually reluctant bear outfitters to have archery hunters because archery hunters lose more bears than anyone else yeah. uh, most of the time. Yeah. So he goes, anytime you want to come up here and shoot a bear with a bow, you're more than welcome. <laughs> well, you, pr- <laughs> you proved yourself at that point. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Let me ask you this. Are you the kind of guy who likes to rotate through guns and bows every single year or, and get like something new, like a lot of, for me, I don't necessarily gun hunt, but I, I'm a bow hunter and I went through a spell where I liked to get a new bow every single year. Um, recently I've kind of gone like a three year new bow, two year, two or three year new bow. And, uh, feel like i i'm starting to like that cycle more than getting a new one every single year um i'm in that cycle of getting one every year getting a bow yeah um i usually don't shotgun hunt other than the state park reduction hunts where they require you to use a shotgun just yep. because that's what they want they want you to harvest animals um, and they know that's their best opportunity mm-hmm. but so I'm shooting Prime, which I know you used to shoot yep. prior to Bowtech. Um, and they went from this Logic series to the Nexus. Well, I skipped Black. Yep. And then they went to the Nexus series with the Grip. 
that nanogrip yep. technology where it's got the uh, aerospace gel. Yep. And I was tired of my hands getting cold. So <laughs> I upgraded just for the grip. Uh, it <laughs> probably wasn't the smartest idea, but that grip is, it's awesome in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and then the following year they came out with the inline, which is a three string instead of a nine string bow. Yep. And uh, I said, I got to try it. I just went and shot one and I was like, I have to, I got to get one. I didn't necessarily want to get one because my Nexus was perfect, but it's just one of those things where the right opportunity presented itself. Now this year I have no plan on buying another bow. I'm perfectly happy with my bow. Um, Got a set of custom strings for it this spring and it's just shooting awesome. Uh, I just, I don't know. The Bowtech bow that came out, it looked pretty sweet. I might have to go shoot it, and if uh, I like it, you never know. But (laughs) Um, I'm happy with my setup. I'm getting comfortable with it. It shoots very similar to my past bow, so I didn't really have to get used to a new arc. Um, That's the hardest learning curve when you shoot a new bow is the, the new trajectory of that arrow and how it shoots and how it handles in your hand. And I'm I'm really enjoying my current bow. <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, I'll tell you this. The logic, uh, here, here are, in no order, here are my top three favorite bows of all time. Okay? And so this comes from a guy who, before I was able to buy my own bow, I had a, like, a garage sale bow. Right. And, I, and I've talked yeah. to this a lot where about this a lot where not even all the arrows were the same. The broadheads were all different. Like uh, the, the bow, whenever I would pull it back, would would make noise to the point where I'm like it was an old bear. And I, I yeah. just you almost felt like it was going to explode in your hand every time you shot it. Right. Not because of the brand, just because of how old it was. And it probably sat in a garage leaning up against the wall instead of being laid down flat or hung. You know what I mean? And so. So, uh, and then I also back in the day shot an Oneida, um, and I, I know they're a lot different now than what they were back in the day, but they were like, they were heavy as shit and hard to draw back. And, um, I, I honestly want to go check out, you know, the new Oneida bows and just, just to kind of see how they've evolved from the first bow that I ever shot. Right. But when I, when I started saving and buying my own equipment, my my first purchase with my own money was a Bowtech Tribute. And I, th- I okay. don't, I'm going to say the reason that that bow, in my opinion, was so good is because I made such a huge jump. I went from a, a 20, like damn near a 20, 15, 20 year old bow to a, a brand new bow. And so... It, you know just as well as I do in that amount of time, the technology uh, changes in the equipment and the design and all that stuff. And so I felt like I was shooting rocket launchers, like I was shooting a rocket launcher. It was it was so badass. The second, the next bow that really stood out for me was the the Prime Logic, dude. There was something yep. about that bow, and I even since then have gone from a 29 inch draw to a 30 inch draw. Like I had a really good bow tech go. Uh, I said, I, I'll shoot 29. So he hands me a 29. He watched me draw back. He goes, dude, you're short. You need a, 
you need a 30. And now I start shooting 30 and everything's changed. But that bow was awesome even at a 29-inch draw. And so I, I really had that bow tuned and that bow was shooting darts. And, I, and that's also about the time when I started jumping up in arrow weight uh, and going from like a, you know, high 200s, low 300s up into the to 500 uh, total arrow weight. And so uh, that, you know, that was awesome. And then recently, the bow that I've been shooting for the last two seasons has been that Bowtech Solution. Dude, I, I yeah. love that bow. And it's, and usually I'm not a, uh, I'm not a low, um, uh, shoot, what's that measurement called from the riser to the string? Um, oh, brace height. Yeah. Brace height. Yeah. Usually I'm not a big fan of brace heights. Usually I like to go with, uh, I don't know the, the bows that they designed for hunters with a smoother draw and things like that. But dude, this, this bow was money. The, the solution was money. So I, I decided to go with it over the. Uh, solution ss which is the super smooth higher brace height and so dude i and i took some extra time with this bow getting it set up last summer and it was like it's just tuned perfectly with my arrow and i'm very confident in the shot and things like that and in practice and all that stuff adds up and so those three bows over the course of i mean from 2006 to today those are the top my my three favorite bows that I've shot in in that time frame. Okay, yeah, probably my second. So I like my my prime bows. My second favorite bow that I've ever shot is my dad's old trusty Bowtech. Um, he still has to this day. It's a Bowtech Tomcat. Okay, it's about the same generation as your Bowtech Tribute. Um, it was the I think it's only like a twenty five or twenty six inch axle to axle. It's a really short bow. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, it just is a tack driver. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot. Uh, I forgot one. I, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm nope. the only reason I brought it up is cause I'm looking at it right now. The gearhead bow. Have you okay. seen, have you seen that gearhead bow with the dual risers? Yep. Yeah. And yep. The, the, I actually, um, so I, I kind of own a, archery company and a guy came to me with a, a gearhead bow to set up because the shop he bought it from couldn't get it set up right and uh i got that thing set up and shot the, the crap out of it um i probably put four or five hundred shots on it just to make sure everything was set up right he was having so many issues um i shot it for three or four weeks and instead of my bow and it they are just they're different animals. They're awesome. Yeah, yeah. I just wish they had a little bit more power behind them. Yeah. I don't know if you, like, I feel like the draw cycles there, the, the, there's little, I mean, there's hardly any, uh, vibration after the shot, hand shock. I just wish it threw an arrow a little harder. You know what I mean? And, yep. um, but other than that, I, like, I, I definitely love that design and I haven't shot one. Uh, in a couple years and so maybe they adjusted the cams and things like that but man i'll tell you what that that bow would is is in my opinion perfect for maybe someone just getting into archery or for a female um or for yep. like a, a younger person or like a someone who's not very strong man i i feel like that would be a really good entry-level bow I'd agree. Yeah. They're, they're at a nice price point too. Yeah, absolutely. 
absolutely. And I know the guys who make the make the bow skip, man, he's a stud and, and all the guys that work there are awesome. But um and I, I interrupted you. So the the Botech uh Tomcat and then yep. and then what was the next one? Oh I I don't well, I shoot a long bow a little bit too. It's uh it's a long bow I was given. It was made out of a cherry tree. Um from my dad's best friend, his farm, family farm, he made it. It was originally a 90-pound longbow. And uh, as he aged, he was like, I can't shoot a 90-pound longbow anymore. And he had it cut down to a 70-pound longbow. Yeah. And that thing is just a beast to pull back to your draw. I mean, I shoot a 70-pound compound. And a longbow is totally different animal. Right. Um, I haven't taken an animal with it just because I need a lot more practice before I even think about it. Yeah. But that's a fun bow to shoot. Yeah. You think you're going to start heading that direction? Cause it's something that I think about, man, it's like, I know I'm good with a, you know, a sided bow, right. Putting the sights on and, and doing all that, you know, and, and, having the the d loop and the kisser button and the peep site and you know the compound world but i i definitely see myself in a handful of years jump into the trad world and giving that a try you i'm definitely going to give it a try um it's hard when you're chasing the animals we're chasing yeah. to to commit 100 percent to something because i could shoot that bow and say I'm really good at 20 yards. Um, well, I'm really good out to 40 yards because I practice twice the distance I plan on shooting. But I would right. never shoot an animal probably over 20 yards with a traditional bow. Yeah. Um, just because of the, the ballistics between that bow and a compound, it's just it's a totally different world. Um, and you really limit yourself in shots. That's yeah. That's where I would have a tough time committing full time, 100% of the time uh year after year chasing big bucks with the traditional bow yeah um but it's it's probably a route that i'll go sooner or later but i don't know if i would do it for years and years and years or if it was something i would do until i i met a goal um it's one of those things that i think evolves as long as you are evolving with the craft yeah yeah this is the big the thing about it right so i don't hunt gun I, I don't usually deer hunt with guns because i like to get in close to the animal have that intimate yeah right? just like really intimate with with the animal and and so but i i don't know how small i want that circle to shrink down to because the longest shot that i've ever taken and killed a deer on is at, at this point, 33 or 34 yards, right? I've okay. never killed a deer. Um, I never, I've never killed a deer in 40 or, or above, right? It's, and a lot of it has to do with my tree stand locations. But with that said, that shot is pretty much out of the picture if I transition over to a trad bow. And so yeah. I don't know if I'm ready to shrink my range down that far. What's your shortest shot been on a on a deer? Like two foot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. Last last year, I shot my buck at ten. I'm thinking here. Last year, I shot my buck at ten, ten or fifteen steps from my tree, full frontal. 
he was above me. Yeah. Like he was, he was on the higher ground of my tree stand. So the angle was really good. Um, 2012 is when I tried to pull off the same shot, but I, he's, he was walking right towards me. He stopped at about 10 steps, looked up. He followed my, my, uh, lone wolf sticks up to the stand. And I had my pin buried like right in that sweet spot, right below the white, you know, like if, if I was hitting right where I was aiming, it would have went right into his lungs and heart and just dropped him. But he dropped, his head was up. So he saw me and he dropped as I pulled the trigger and my, my broadhead, this sounds really bad, went into his nostril down because his head was up into his nostril down his throat and one blade opened up his neck. And so his whole, his whole throat and the carotid or that's the carotid right in the neck. Yeah. Carotid artery were destroyed and he was dead. He was dead really fast. And so, <laughs> and so I'm not proud of that shot. Um, I've learned, you know, to pray, maybe not shoot a full frontal deer if they're pegged on you, but, um, like the buck I shot last year was at 10 steps. So that's the closest. Okay. Yeah. I had an opportunity at a buck about a week and a half ago. Um, and he was trying to think in steps. I know he was about five yards from me. Um, so, you know, maybe 10 steps. Yeah. Uh, but he came right down the trail right next to my stand. Um, it was 110, 120 inch. 10 point but because of the trail camera picture i have i i had to pass on him i had to wait for that bigger buck yeah uh but there, he walked through three shooting windows and each time i'm like should i stop him should i stop him <laughs> yeah 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 all right so um we talked a little bit about the old reliables we talked about our favorite uh, some of the, our favorite bows that we've had back in the day um is do you did you try any type of new products this season and if you did did you do you have a couple that you would share with us whether you liked them or didn't like them so i got uh i got a couple new products i got a tethered saddle okay perfect because i want to share my experience with that too okay um did you also get their platform or any of their climbing sticks okay so i did get the platform but I did, I, and I, I did, I did get the platform, obviously I did get the climbing sticks, but I did not use them yet. I have not used them yet. Okay. Um, and most of it is because I'm one of those guys who very confident in the other set of sticks that I was using and I have way more of them and they're already out in the trees or in my truck. And so I, uh, I, I, I probably should have given them a try, but I just, you know, and I will eventually, but I just didn't use use them, so I don't have anything to say good or bad about them. Which sticks did you get? The Skeletors. Um, they're not the carbon ones. They're the ones. Okay, so the Skeletors. Yeah, the Skeletors. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I got the Skeletors this year. Okay. All right. So tethered, some tethered products. What else? Um, I got some Vortex binos. I upgraded from an old set. I say old. They're only like four years old. Um, 
set of Nikon binoculars. And I thought those things were pretty clear, but they just were never clear enough for my liking compared to some of the scopes that I have. And uh, I went to the store, looked at the the Vortex binos. They're Diamondback 10 by 42s. Yep. Um, my Nikons are 10 by 42s, but they're monstrous compared to the Vortex binos. Yeah. I mean, they just, they're almost twice the size. Yeah. Heavier too. Yeah. Yeah. And I took them out in the backyard and I looked at them side by side at almost dusk. And I was like, holy crap, I can see so much more detail in everything with these Vortex binoculars. And they're not even, I mean, they're not even the Vipers or the Razors. They're just the Diamondbacks. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And the glass quality was just, it's amazing. Yeah. All right. So um, um, what else after that? Uh, of course, the new bow that we talked about. Yeah. And I I built a set of bow strings for my, my bow. You uh, actually built your first own set of bow strings? Yep. Okay. Walk us through that process because I am a, I am a, I don't know. I'm not a, like a, a pimp my bow type guy. Okay. So yep. what I mean by that is just factory everything on, on my bow. And that's, I don't change anything out. So, uh, I learned from my bow tech who I bought all my primes from. He's been, he opened his bow shop in the early 1980s when compounds first started becoming popular. Um, and he started building bowstrings shortly after, and he's been working with BCY and uh, Bar- Brownell ever since they pretty much originated. And he helped create some of the customizations like the colors of bowstrings. Um, he was dyeing bowstrings with different dyes before they were actually dyed. Um, so he helped me build bowstrings, and then I kind of tweaked the technique because he was still using a bunch of older techniques, and he wasn't doing... Um, like the more current stretching processes, he was manually stretching the strings by installing them and cycling the bows a hundred times, uh, kind of like prime does. Right. So I learned from him how to build bow strings. Um, he helped me build bow strings for my logic and for my long bow. And after building bow strings with him for a little bit, I said, you know, I can do this. And I, I started my archery business and I, Built probably 200 sets of bowstrings this year. Okay. Um, the process is really rudimentary. Uh, you just take the bowstring and you wrap around what are car- called four posts. There's four posts on this jig, which is a 10-foot piece of channel. And you just wrap around those four posts, whether you're doing a solid color, a pen stripe, or two colors. Um, and you tie it off, you wrap serving to make your end loops and the length of the serving depends on the end loop size. And then you start the pre-stretch process, the stretching process. Uh, and you got to kind of, you can make DIY jigs, which I did at first. I, I was building bowstrings with the DIY jig, but it wasn't as consistent as I wanted. So I, I purchased um, an actual bowstring jig and bowstring stretchers. Uh, that way I could make consistent product. Right. Um, and it, it, it really is a fun process. 
The problem is I'm a hunter, so I've shut the business off for hunting season pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I told everyone when I started it, I said, I got a main job. Um, bow strings are going to be pretty much on when I can get to them because I can't let the bread and butter job sit. I got to actually do the main job. Yeah. Um, it provides me some flexibility that I can, I can build bow strings on the side, but it, people have been patient. They've been willing to wait. Um, pretty much everyone has been happy minus some of the Bowtech guys. I got a Bowtech guy up in Canada. Um, he's actually a staff shooter for Bowtech that I built a couple strings for and Bowtechs are hard on serving. Uh, but I got a Bowtech guy in Oregon and you know, that hard S curve that Bowtechs make, um, on the module. Yeah. I'd have to look at my bow. So they make a, a hard, it's almost like an S curve. It's really tight S curve. And the Bowtex, even the factory strings, unra- they don't unravel, but the serving separates a little bit right there. Yep. And the guy up in Canada was shooting competitions. So his string, I made 24 strands. This 24 strands, uh, in theory, doesn't stretch as much as 22 strands of string. Okay. And his bundle was just a little too thick and it was stretching, uh, not stretching, but it was separating the serving around that S curve because it was, as it was bending, it was separating the strands. Yeah. The guy in Oregon, he's strictly a hunter. Um, he does, he hunts, I think he's hunting 220-ish animals this year. Um, that's all he does practically is he just hunts and he sells hunts to people. Um, so I made his bowstring a 22 strand because after talking with Motec, that's what they come factory. And he hasn't had any serving separating issues. But that was one of the things I learned quickly building strings for different manufacturers is a 24 strand string doesn't work on a Bowtech. I got to go with 22 strand. Gotcha. Um, but there's a lot of intricacies. If you yeah. if you get into bowstring building, it's there's a lot of intricacies, and you can spend a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, let me ask you this: so, what's the so if to a guy like me who you know I have I have very little interest in looking at uh, bowstrings. What are what would the benefit of buying a custom bowstring uh, or you know? Uh, an accessory string as opposed to staying with the factory what's the benefit for the end user so have you ever had the issue where your peep turns as you're drawing back and you have to constantly fix it sometimes yes or in the past yes i've had that issue but that's the benefit is a custom bowstring one it's pre-stretched um and then two it doesn't twist as it goes up as you're drawing back okay um those are the two main benefits other than quality and materials. Um, I'm sure you remember when you got shot the logic, that string got fuzzy fast. Okay. I'd have to, I, I can't really remember that, but I also am a guy who I put a lot of wax on my strings yep. throughout the, you know, throughout the year. I, I did notice on, on the, Usually after my Western hunts, when I'm a little bit abuse of, you know, more abusive with, with my equipment, I'll notice some fluffiness coming out, but not necessarily anything that I would be worried about. 
and I just throw some more wax on it. Yep. Yep. And that's, that's all just the type of material that the strings made out of. There's different materials that don't fuzz as much. Um, a lot of times people go with what's called BCY 452X, which is an awesome old reliable material. Um, but sometimes it can fuzz a little, I mean, it, it'll fuzz up almost immediately. First hundred shots, it'll start fuzzing up. Um, and that's, it's just a property of it. There's nothing wrong with the string. It just gets fuzzy and you got to put wax on it to keep it down. Yeah. Okay. Um, bow strength then. All right. Um, let's go back to the saddle. Okay. Yeah. Cause this is my first year hunting out of a saddle. And although I didn't do it a lot, I did do it a little bit. And here, real quick, here's because my experience is going to be very short compared to probably yours. But with with mine, um, I sat in it a couple times, especially, you know, not not too terribly. I mean, it's not difficult. I can definitely see the weight savings. Um, it's comfortable once I was up in it. And, you know, I didn't, sh- I didn't sit all day. I think the most that I sat in it was three and a half hours. I got in for an afternoon hunt, you know, set my platform up. Very easy. Uh, the transition from the lineman's belt to the, the tether is, you know, easy. Sat there comfortably. Um, the only issue that I really ran into was with with a saddle, and this is something that I, I feel like I can I can beat when I practice more with it. But that is putting on and taking off clothes in the saddle to regulate yeah. body temperature. But and so other than that, I was shooting good out of it. Um, no shooter deer came, you know, gave me the opportunity to come in while I was actually in the saddle. But for the most part, I was, you know, I felt, com- I felt comfortable and I felt like if the opportunity presented itself, I, I, I knew how to move in the tree to put myself in position. It's just a matter of, you know, when it gets warm, taking a coat off, uh, or, you know, putting something off or putting something on and, and when it got got cold adding a layer and so that was really my only issue with that but other than that i i don't know what what was your uh thought on the saddle uh it's i've sat in the saddle a lot i probably have let me think about the times i've sat i probably got over 100 hours in the saddle this year okay that's a lot of hours in a saddle. Um, it is my shortest sit is probably Got on the stand about five o'clock and left about eleven, so six hours ish. Okay. Um, longest sit was fourteen hours or more. Yeah. Um, an all day sit. I've only done that twice, uh, but I got a lot of eight, ten hour sits on it. Yeah. It is, and this is my first year with the saddle too. Yeah. I got so take mine. everything we say with a grain grain of salt. <laughs> Um, I got mine late 2021. Um, I found a used one that the guy was asking like 40% of new and I couldn't pass it up. It's a, a tethered fat phantom. Okay. Um, and you know, I'm not the smallest guy. I'm five, nine, 250 pounds. 
Um, so this will go for, you know, probably just about everyone out there. There's probably a lot of guys about my size. Um, but it's comfortable as long as you adjust it right. There's so many videos out there that Tethered puts out, um, all kinds of other people. You can adjust, uh, like if you're leaning, the tree's leaning a little bit, you can adjust side to side. There's there's those little balls in the um, the strap where your, your bridge goes, where you can adjust up and down and get your angle just right. Um, I've learned a couple tricks throughout the season. Like I just learned that I don't have to buy one of those rope and ones. I can use my carabiner to push the Prusik knot up and down on my tether. Um, putting clothes on and off, I could definitely see an issue with that. My legs usually don't get cold. Uh, my upper body, sometimes it'll get a little colder and I have a jacket that I put on and off. But it's it's a slower process than a tree stand is all I would put it. Yeah. But even in a tree stand, you have to deal with a, a harness. So maybe it's yeah. not even that much slower. It's just tucking everything into the saddle. Yeah. Yeah. The only, the only like a tree stand compared to the platform is what I, what I'm going to do. Now, obviously I can't sit on a platform. I mean, I could, uh, I have the XL version and if I wanted to just release and, and maybe go and sit down just for a little bit, if I was doing a real long hunt, I could, I could go do that on that platform. But, uh, getting to the point where I am, uh, I don't know, uh, it, the the platform was way easier to strap to the tree than trying to hold a, a tree stand there and strap two straps in around it. So for for yeah. ease of hang, I would say that the platform. And you know, I bet you if you timed it, and I was just you know I put up my four sticks like usual, put up the platform versus the tree stand. I'm up in a tree and hunting with a saddle before I am in a, a tree stand. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, the sticks are a time saver too. So those Skeletor sticks, if you you haven't used them yet, um, to put them on a tree instead of a cam buckle, you, you take and wrap it around the buckle or the knob on the stick, and you cross it over a couple times. But you're just pulling it tight. You don't have to put yeah. the buckle on. You're just wrapping a rope around it doing the crisscross and then you do uh two half hitches i think are what the knot is on the and that holds your your string up so it's not sitting there dangling on the ground um and it also prevents it from sliding off yeah but then it's it's pretty much tight to the tree it's got two steps it's comfortable to just to stand there um with four sticks i can get 15 foot up um i purchased some aiders for them that are kind of a tweak to the the system yeah. that should get me north of 20 foot um but you know the sticks are a game changer too every their whole product line is so user friendly for yeah just the average guy yeah i, w- I will say that the sticks have those um those little stacking pegs in them yep and i really do like that from the the quietness standpoint even though like I'm not that guy from a strategy standpoint. I'm 
I very rarely am going into a location to where like, dude, I know a buck is bedded 40 yards from me and I'm going to try to get 40 yards up in a tree, but you know, where this, I feel this buck is bedded. Like I, I'm just not doing that. And I don't feel it's necessarily realistic uh, because a lot can go wrong. So my, my whole strategy is to get a stand or a, a, you know a hunting location where this deer is going to be coming through and so um not necessarily setting up right on top of them so but with that said i definitely see the benefit of those little rubber pegs that you know basically are sound dampeners for the stacking yeah yeah and, and it can be challenging to get those sticks off the rubber pegs without making any noise yeah because when they do release from those rubber pegs it kind of releases forcefully yeah pretty hard um, just because they're a tight fit but um going into the the woods it definitely is a lot quieter and you just have to be careful when you you take them off yep absolutely um would you would you say that with the amount of time that you've spent in a saddle this year you're comfortable with it i would yeah, i'm pretty okay. comfortable up there um you got to kind of change your position around so you're not you're not stagnant in one position, uh, but it's one of those things where I wasn't sure if I was going to like it or not. I got into it at the right price, and I don't think I'm going to turn back. I think tree stands have their place, um, and I'll probably still use a tree stand every once in a while. But the woods I'm hunting, it's about... 30 acres uh, there's a set that's 30 acres and then there's another set that's 20 acres with a bunch of fields in between them uh, it's it's old ag land uh, that's still still is agricultural yeah. um so and they put a house in the front of the woods last year and they also did logging last year um and that's changed the dynamic of the woods that i knew i was going to put a stand in there but after they put a house and a log, they logged the woods, I was like, I got to continue to be mobile. And how can I do that while reducing weight? Um, right. And the tethered was the answer. Yeah. I've been super mobile. Cool. Cool, man. Well, we're, we're rolling up here at the end of this podcast. So just want to say, uh, Joe, man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and uh, talk gear and BS with us for a little bit. Um, so, again thanks for your time and good luck the rest of the season thank you dan i appreciate the invite